0: Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi-finals. all thanks to McDonald's. Makers, together and loving it. TNCs apply. It's
1: time
2: to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood.
1: Good morning and welcome to real adventures and it sounds a little bit different this morning because i've had to carry the show because patrick has had a family commitment come up and none other than lee rayner joins us this morning one of australia's most recognized fishermen, second after myself good morning lee good morning mate how are you <laughs> not too bad mate thank you for joining us this morning on such short notice to talk all things fishing boating and the great outdoors now lee You've been a very busy man gallivanting right around the country now that we're allowed to do so. You've been up in Darwin doing the Bar- Barron Nationals, so let's not waste any time. Take us through the Barron Nationals, how that went, and did you catch any fish? Um, mate, the Nats is just, I mean, you go to the territory, you just have a good time because
0: everybody up there is is happy. It's unbelievable how much of a good mood everyone is up there. The fishing wasn't as good as the year before because the wet season wasn't as good, and, and that simply comes down to the fact, Aaron, that because Queens, southern Queensland and northern New South Wales caught those huge floods, that's the, the system that, that would have normally hung over the territory. So um, they didn't get the wet. The fishing wasn't as good. We caught a few fish, not a lot, but the guys who know their stuff did well. Um, Shane Campaign won it, and... Mate, he is just on fire at the moment. He's so dialed in with his um, with his active target. He was literally, you would watch these boys, Aaron, they would not cast unless the fish they were casting out on the active target was over 80 centimetres. And generally,
1: they were targeting fish over a metre. Like, so so, so go back one step, active target. I'm not that familiar with it, sort of out of my sort of uh, fishing yeah. knowledge. Take us through what it is and how the, how to use it as such. So it's basically, it's a transducer, this
0: sort of big, flat transducer that's on a pole, and you actually steer the transducer, you have it on the front of the boat, feeding into a sounder right next to it, and the best way to describe it, it's like looking at an ultrasound, like it's real time, and... If there's five bait fish there, you can see five bait fish. You can see which way they're swimming. Like it's it's real time, just like an ultrasound. And when you see a big fish like a barramundi or whatever, and a lot of the guys are using them on the cod and all that stuff, you, if there's nothing showing on the sounder, there's no fish there. It's that simple. So you can literally pull up to a snag and go, there's nothing on it. Like you might have to scope around and and get it in so you get different angles on the snag, but you can go, there's nothing there, don't cast. So what it's doing is cutting down, I suppose, wasted fishing time, but also you can actually see how the fish are reacting to your lure. You can see if they come towards it, move away, do all that sort of stuff. Um, And and it's just – it's unbelievable to watch. Some of the stories that Shane and the boys were telling me from what they saw off their active target, like he caught – he caught two fish over a metre and lost one that he was calling a metre 10 in a period of 20 minutes because they scoped all these fish up and literally cast individual fish. So it's sort of – it's a different style of fishing, and you've got to get your head around not casting when you don't see anything. So it's pretty exciting.
1: Why is he catching more fish, though? What's he doing different? Like, you've you're obviously got how to use it. Why, why is he – what's he doing, I guess, to extra 2% to catch those extra fish?
0: So – It's not something that you just turn on and and it'll get you the fish straight away, right? Shane spent a year of solid fishing sussing this thing out. And what it enables you to do is you can see your lure in the water, right? You can see your lure going through the water. You can see it pause. You can see it move. You can see everything. When you get dialed in on it, you can literally get your lure within a couple of inches of the fish's face. And that's how he's doing it. He's getting that lure within – four to ten inches off the barramundi's face to get the bite. Like, he's not just getting his lure close, he's getting it right there in front of them to get a reaction bite. And that's the difference.
1: Now, you said everyone up in Darwin's or that northern part of the world is uh, always happy. Is that due to the weather being so warm and down here so miserable?
0: It's, it's got to be. It's always warm. The first three days up there, it was 37 degrees. And yeah. when I'm up there, you know, you don't want to complain or say anything or look like a wuss. So I'm sit, standing in the boat fishing away, and just going, Oh, God, it's hot. And it's that burning, stingy hot sun in a river with no wind. And it's not till one of the locals goes, Jesus, it's hot today. And you go, Oh, thank God for that. So, um, <laughs> But, mate, that river, Aaron, is full of snags, right? It's not a river where you go, if I drive down the middle of the river, I'll be fine. There's a few spots. If you drive down the middle of the river on the wrong part of the tide, you'll hit a rock bar that's 20 metres wide and and wipe your engine out. And absolute carnage on that river. Like, the engines that get broken, the props that get destroyed is unbelievable. Like, one, one boat did a prop or a gearbox or a skeg four days in a row.
1: So what do you recommend if you're a new punter going up there for the Bashner, uh, Baron Nationals, said the, said the word in one little go there, Lee? Uh, what do you recommend as a punter? So say me, for instance, I've never been there in yep. this river. How do I go there and navigate it?
0: Uh, I would certainly recommend getting a guide or someone who knows the river to show you yeah, yeah. around um, 100%. And then when you find a snag, because you're talking huge tides there, man. A big tide there will be six or seven metres. Like we, t- we have a big tide, it's two and a half. You know, they're talking seven-meter tides. So where you might go in the morning on a high tide and go, oh, this is sweet, you come back in the Arvo and it's completely different, completely different, and there's rock bars and there's snags and all this stuff. So when you find something, GPS it. If you see some snag that you go, that's going to be underwater, go up right up next to it and GPS it and put a, a, a skull and crossbones there or put something so you know that it's danger.
1: So that, that would be... <laughs> that's always a good one.
0: Yeah, mate. The reality is, Aaron, I, even myself, I probably wouldn't go up there with my boat because there's a fair chance I would hit something unless you're going to drive around really, really slowly, um, which it's hard to do because you're talking about from, from the Banyan Farm Park to alligator head you're talking about 35 k's of river
1: yeah it's a long way
0: big hauls big hauls like yeah we were catching fish close to the park but when the fish move on those tides too like the fish will move kilometers in one tide so you've got to be really mobile
1: let's come back down to victoria for the minute now Let's be honest, Victoria is becoming one of the game fishing capitals in this country. Let's, it's it's you got massive swordfish, which I'm going to ask you a few questions about in a minute because yep. you've caught a few of those. We've also got the big barrel bluefin tuna right along the coast. Now, what are you going to be doing in the next few months? Because there's so many different options to do. You love your EPs. You love all sorts of winter fishing, yep. your cod. What are you going to be how, – how do you sort of plan your next, I guess, six months, let's call it, of a bit of miserable weather but some seriously good fishing?
0: Well, I suppose, Aaron, we, we just – the one thing we always tend to have is there's good weather somewhere. Yes, we get those wipeouts where the whole states are right off, but generally the weather's okay in the west or it's okay in the east, so that gives you options if you're willing to be mobile. Obviously, when you get those good weather patterns, I love my swords, cause, but you're running a long whale shore, so you need good weather so you can do it. Um, but this tuna bite and these bluefin tuna are just they're, – they're next level, mate. Like, and, and the greatest thing is that our fishery is only going to get better um but we've got fish from east of, of phillip island all the way to, down to port mcdonald in in big numbers and you know what a lot of people don't want to catch jumbos and there's millions of schoolies to go and catch if you want which is what the charter guys like to target but if you want to go and target jumbos you can go and do that so i'll be doing that a lot when the weather's no good i'll go trout fishing when the tides are right i'll go perch fishing we've got mulloway down the Glenelg river and the hopkins and all those through the winter months so If you're willing to be a little bit versatile, the options really are endless.
1: Speaking of Swordfish that you mentioned before, now that's, I guess... I'll call it the ultimate fish, I guess you could say. Barrel bluefin, they're a big fish, but swordfish have another league on their own uh, away from the barrel bluefin tuna. Marlin, in my opinion, they're more of an acrobatic, more of an exciting, yep. fight. my favourite fish to catch because I guess they're, a different, they're more of an enjoyment. It's middle of summer, you're having a great time in thongs, yes. as we spoke about in the show last week about being wearing our safety shoes. But it's uh, <laughs> swordfish is, I guess, the ultimate fish. For someone wanting to do it, let's try and yep. dumb it down as such. How do, we, how do we approach it? Because fuel in boats, little boats, weather, and not only that, the money it costs for your braided line, then you've got lights, and then you've got to drop down 500 metres, give or take either side. Take us through, where does someone start?
0: Um, so, look, you can – to, to fast-track it, you could book a charter with someone like Bitchy on Dreamcatcher, um, you know, but if not, you need a boat that's obviously able to run the kilometres because off-lakes entrance, for instance – your minimum runs about 90 kilometres on average, so anywhere up to about 130. So, A, you need good weather, so you can do the miles. You need the fuel range. You need to make sure your safety gear's up to scratch. You need crew. It's hard It's hard to do it, certainly, just with two people. I've done plenty of swords with two, but it's a lot easier with three or four. And at the price of fuel at the moment, mate, fishing with four blokes cuts the costs a lot. So then you can fish more days as well. So, But then you need... The outfit, whether it's a Talica fifty or a Tiagra eighty, filled with braid, monotop shot, wind on leader, a couple of lights as you said, and then and then the hook and the baits and all that. Once you set up it's not an overly expensive sort of system unless you get bitten off by oceanic toadfish, which happened to me on the last trip, and then it's expensive.
1: So they've been a big talk at the moment. I spoke about it on the show a few weeks ago. Yep. Well they are they attracted to the lights, do you think? No, this is the funny thing. So the, the
0: buggers, they're get feed layers so a feed layer a scatter layer is all microparticles and organisms you know probably tiny squid and fish and little jellyfish and all that sort of stuff that attracts the bigger fish and so on and so on until you end up with the swordfish what you often get is a feed layer on the bottom but you'll also get a feed layer and it can be mid water or it can be down 200 meters and the other week when i was there with Mia there was a feed layer down two to sort of 250 300 meters and you'd be down with your swordfish bait and it didn't happen to me for a couple of days And then all of a sudden the line goes slack and you've been bitten off 200 metres down because the toes are hanging in that higher water column. And at that point, you effectively lose 300 metres of braid, your top shot, your wind on, your light, it's your whole rig. Your reel's lost enough line that it becomes basically a full re-spool. So it's about a $400 process every time you get bitten off. Mm. So... Um, And they just seem to like, whether they bite in the braid or if there's a little jellyfish or a bit of something on the braid that they come and bite, I'm not totally sure. Um, But either way, it becomes an expensive process. We've never seen them before. Uh, And and this year, they're just there. There's a patch of water that they were in, and and it's just, you know, one of those variables in fishing that never change.
1: That's the thing with swordfish. You're fishing 500 metres down, you do not know what you're going to get. Now, the next question I'm going to ask you on the swordfish front, probably the last one. Circle hooks or J-hooks? Now, you're going out there to catch your first one. Let's be honest, majority of people are going to want to bring this fish home. To, they are a beautiful eating fish, one of the top yep. out of the waters. Now, are you going to go J-hook or are you going to go circle hook? How would you approach it? Um,
0: I do use a bit of both, mate. And I've had good success with J-hooks, and we certainly started with that. But circles are very, very effective. There's a bit of a trick to fishing a circle. Um, The great thing about a circle is your corner of the jaw, if you want to drop a fight out of a sword, a big sword hooked in the corner of the jaw with a circle, is nothing but full pain because they get to fight to their absolute maximum because you're not actually hurting the fish in any way. Um, Look, the the verdict's out, but the guys who fish circles love them, guys who fish jays love them. I I use a bit of both. The good thing about a circle, mate, is when it's in, it's in. So just like with a marlin or a snapper or or whatever. Um, But when you're fishing circles, the first thing you need to do when you get a bite, and and oftentimes when you get the bite, as you're aware of there, and the line goes slack, and that's the sortie racing to the surface. So what you need to do is wind, get tight on that fish, and then go straight up to about 14 to 16 kilos of drag to pull that that circle into position. If you go to eight kilos of drag, it seems like their, their mouth, which is flat on the inside, is holding the bait and holding the hook, and it doesn't have enough pressure to pull the hook into position and you end up losing them but you push up to 14 or 16 kilos of drag which is excruciating um it gets the hook in and and the landing rate is then far better
1: uh kind of bizarre that a fish that seeing say four five six hundred hundred metres people catching races to the top and gets us a sort yeah
0: yeah yeah it, it doesn't make sense does it that they do that but obviously I don't know. Maybe it's something like that when they're down deep, they the water pressure, they can't regurgitate food or anything properly. So perhaps they, them racing to the surface, just like a marlin, will jump and throw the bay. A sword's trying to do the same thing. He'll come to the top, where there's probably less water pressure. He's trying to get that, that whatever it is in his mouth out. Um, but it's, it's quite unbelievable. And to give you an idea of how fast these or people, an idea of how fast these things move, we use a brick to get the bait down, a sacrificial brick and a breakaway. And that takes about five minutes to get your bait down. A sortie eating the bait and then hitting the surface can do it in about three.
1: Shit. <laughs> so, phenomenal, isn't it? <laughs> it's
0: pretty crazy when you think that a brick falls pretty fast and a sortie <laughs> can come up faster than a brick can go down.
1: You're listening to the voice of Lee Rayner. We're just talking all things swordfish. Don't go anywhere. Lee chopped me out with this show today because Patrick's done a disappearance act on me. You're listening to Real Adventures. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. And it is now time for Whitcrown where we fly around the country and find out what's been fighting. And it's a pleasure to have Lee on the show. So thank you for doing this, mate. And then we're going to jump into the social club, Lee. And I've gone through the questions that we've been sent in. And I've actually directed them towards yourself. So you're going to get some different answers, which is always a good thing in fishing. Because we love different opinions when it comes to fishing. Because it causes, causes a bit of a stir, <laughs> as you see. But first up, we're going to head to New South Wales, Lee. Mate, the snapper at Montague Island have been on fire this week, up to 65 centimetres. But, Lee, there's been no signs of kingfish. They reckon there's no current there. So Montenude has usually, this time last year, was firing with kingfish, but there's literally no current coming from the north, but there's plenty of bait. Do you reckon that'll fire up soon? It, It should do. It'll probably fire up with rat kings. What's interesting
0: is that there has been big kingfish along the coastline, down off Marimbula and Eden and places like that. They're not in big numbers, but if you put the time in the fish you catch there, will be proper ones, like well over a metre in sort of size. So uh, well worth, guys, hitting that coastal shoreline more so than even hitting probably Montague at the moment.
1: May, May, they've been caught off Burmy late, like extremely late bite. Uh, current's not running too hard, but some massive bull May, May on the fad still. Like, What's going on there? That's just all to do with that that hot water that we,
0: we had running down the coast all season, and that'll be the EAC working its way back north. Like, it yep. just slows up and just crawls back. And those dollies love to hang on the head of that current effectively. So they will just be in a pocket there, whether they're there for a day or a month, who knows. But while they're there, go get them because I, I rate them as one of the best fish I've ever caught. And they're a beautiful
1: eating fish. If you're a fish eater, they're the one to eat, aren't they?
0: A oh, 100%, mate. They look amazing. They fight
1: great, and they taste
0: like nothing
1: else. The brown water in the port hacking has produced some seriously good fishing at the moment. Crazy salmon and brim bite. So if you're into that sort of fishing, land-based or in a boat, right around the port hacking, even around the Sydney Harbour has been fishing really good too with that dirty water. We're going to head to South Australia. Have you fished the Gulf before, Lee? Yeah, yeah, I've fished both. the I've fished Spencer Gulf and St Vincent Gulf. Well, the whiting are going ballistic over that way right now. And pippies are the go. Big whiting too.
0: Yeah, it's look that their whiting fishery is unbelievable, mate. Um, also, you've got yellowfin whiting over there, which is people don't realize you can catch them on little surface lures and bait and plastics along the shoreline. But the whiting fish in there is just off tap, and they have a bigger minimum size. I think theirs is 32, yep. and you're only allowed 10 per person. And when they brought that in, I know it, there was a big outrage with it, but the, the fishery has, has just gone from strength to strength since they did that.
1: Point uh, Hughes at the moment, uh, squid fishing land-based. Everyone loves to get out land-based and catch some squid, whether it's with the kids or for bait or something to eat. Uh, it's been fishing really, really well. Heading to Queensland, there's been a massive turnaround in the weather up north, so that Hitchinbrook area. Uh, Red Emperor, Trevs, Coral Trout. Now, Pat and I have uh, fished up that way. You've done probably Hitchinbrook more than Pat and I. <laughs> yeah mate all that part of the world the fishing's unbelievable you've obviously
0: got to, you know where where to go and whatnot but you got your impoundments you got your light, you're inshore you're offshore all that the great thing is aaron all these floods and stuff they've had yes it shuts it down for a while but the long-term benefits of a flood is is unbelievable so the fishing
1: there's just going to get better and better the mother way out of tweed right now off the beach fishing really good i saw multiple big captures of dewfish off the beach there but also as a bycatch while you're waiting The brim and the dartfish are red hot too. Now, something in WA that you might find interestingly, 30 kilometers from Albany, uh, a whale carcass has been floating offshore. It's roughly 30 kilometers. A fisherman was on the beach, and somehow, I don't know how he's seen 30 kilometers, but he's seen birds and whatnot picking, blah, blah, blah. And he's got his drone, and unless he was on his boat, but he got his drone and flown it out to the to the white this whale carcass. And there was well over a hundred sharks feeding off this whale. handful of whites, but a majority of bronze whalers. You wouldn't want to be swimming there. <laughs> no way,
0: not a chance in the world. But and it's amazing, man. Whenever there's a dead whale, sharks just turn up. You know, in in numbers that would make people just stagger because the sharks are there.
1: But they just love, mate, they love whales just like oh, I love a steak. <laughs> a good steak is always good. Uh, yeah. Tassie Coles Bay has had great captures also of Calamari up the week, off the pier up this week, and there's been a huge school of bluefin. Now, you mentioned bluefin running from – Phillip Island to uh, edge of South Australia before it is still running through South Australia quite well, but Tasmania right around there, there's big fish getting caught at Eagle Hall. But like I said, then Bernie right now, only a few kilometers offshore. There is plenty of school bluefin through there too. If you're in that area, make sure you get out of there. That was the whip around where we've been. We fly around the country and see what's been biting. Now we're going to get straight into the social club and put a little bit of a twist to the questions this morning. We're going to head basically to leave for all the answers. Hey, guys, when casting for EPs, what pound leader would you recommend? Thank you, Andrew. Leroy, take uh, you
0: Okay, so look, I don't fish overly light on perch because you can always catch some seriously big ones. They've got a raspy mouth, so they tend to suck your plastic in or your hard body in. And while they won't bite you off, they'll rough the leader up. So I like 12-pound. 12 pound is sort of my go-to if it's shallow super clear water i might go down to eight but 12 is my go-to during summer on the big snags i'll even go up to 15 when you literally got a bulldog them out of a snag to get the bite
1: where, where are you fishing for eps during the winter Lee? uh
0: it tends to be a lot of open water aaron like they move downstream to spawn in this more saline sort of water so you're often fishing more open water. They'll still be on snags and that, but they they'll be in, in bigger numbers. They'll school up. And often you when you find one, you'll find a lot. So um, you know, weed beds, open water, lower down in the estuary systems or your creeks and stuff like that. Whereas summertime we start punching way upstream, you know, get onto the the really heavy covered snags and all that sort of stuff. So um like you can catch them out in open water. In the Bim, you can catch them right down at the mouth, basically over the sand. Um, so they, they don't have any problem about getting into open water at all.
1: I don't think I've ever asked this question to yourself. or Pat, he loves chasing them. Uh, do you eat them? Oh, the worst thing you can do is eat a perch, Aaron. Right. They, well, taste, they taste really good. <laughs> oh, right. So I was just about to say, right, isn't perch in the ocean usually good? So what, they yeah. you reckon they used to taste as good as perch, I guess you could say? <laughs> yeah, mate, they, they're great eating. Um, the reason
0: I don't tend to whack them – very often is that they're very slow growing fish like a 40 centimeter perch could be 30 plus years old so um that that's more why i don't like they used to just guys used to have there was a huge bag limit on it. it was like 20 per person or something like that and guys used to go and catch their 20 per person three boat three blokes in a boat 60 fish in the boat day after day um and and you're just wiping out a lot of years of fish, but for the most part, mate, I just prefer to to let them go and
1: just enjoy catching them. But yeah, they do taste very very good. With um with the heeps and the brim scenario as such, where everyone's like, don't don't ever kill a brim, blah blah blah, yeah. and all of a sudden like marlin people kick up like people crack it crack it more at people keeping a brim than a marlin oh, sorry the other way so people can crack, crack it at people keeping a marlin more than they do a brim but yet a marlin is such a fast growing fish and reaches yeah. that like it's such a different way to look at it isn't it
0: oh mate and, and that's always i suppose my argument with guys with tuna like a 100 kilo tuna is about 20 to 25 yeah. years old right A yeah. 100 kilo stripe is a marlin is about five yeah and there's heaps and heaps of striped marlin because it wouldn't be a game fish in Australia that's tagged more than marlin and and even striped marlin. So the re and they, they freeze better. Marlin freeze better. So the reality is you're better off to whack a striped marlin than you are to kill a hundred kilo bluefin.
1: Yeah. I couldn't, couldn't agree more. Another question. Love the show guys. Can you please recommend what the best type of weight is for sword fishing? And how would you actually adjust on a certain day to get it down to the bottom? Cheers, Leo. Uh,
0: So, Leo, we tend to use bricks. Um, Bricks are just easy. They would break down in the water, um, and and a paver brick weighs about two and a half kilos. A brick with holes in it weighs about one and a half kilos, so – um, that's just how we get them down, whether it's calm or rough or whatever, we, we get them down with a brick. It's just a, a nice, easy way to do it. The only downside is tr- storing 20 bricks in your boat. It's a bit of a pain in the bum every day. But um, the other way we do it, and then we have a, a, a light mono breakaway to that, so that snaps off when we need it to, um, or when the swordfish hits the bait, he'll he'll break the line. But the other one I use a lot now, Aaron, is I get a bit of fencing wire, wrap that around the brick, and you have about a 30-centimetre piece off the end of the brick with a tiny little hook on it like a micro little hook and it's amazing that it doesn't come off you hook that onto the bend of the hook send that down when the brick hits the bottom the hook just bounces straight off yeah so that's very good that's a yeah it works really well but it's amazing if you make that hook five mil too long it will not come off it's and then and then you are stuck because it's really hard to snap wire when it's down 500 meters so um yeah a tiny little wire hook is great when you want to fish a floating bait Here's the bottom starts floating up immediately oh i'm oh, impressly with you just there oh, i'm very you can't with that are you nah. are you claiming that one no nah. nah. I, <laughs> 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 I wish i did but but no um no nah, the american guys use it a lot over in florida and stuff like that but yeah it took a bit of marking around to get it right because yep. i'm telling you that the bend you're making the wire to put on the hook aaron is so small that you go there is no way in hell that's going to make it down 500 meters without falling off but it just does because the water pressure just keeps it there yeah. and then the second it hits it's just free it just works
1: and there's no certain i guess weights well you've got ocean currents and whatnot you wouldn't maybe yep. some days run three bricks instead of one
0: nah mate one brick gets it down that's the that's the go. one brick just gets it down nice and easy um so yep. uh, and dealing with two bricks attached to the line would just be too much that's just okay. too much And you'd actually find that probably fall slower because the brick's not that aerodynamic and you will notice the brick your line slows down when it hits about 300 meters and that's because of the shape of
1: the brick so one brick would get down better than two i reckon and the brick being three kilo up here doesn't weigh three kilo down there as such. No, no, not at all. Not at all. So. Last question before we wrap this part of the show up is, uh, Red, you've caught some amazing fish. What would be one you cherish the most? Now, I've answered this question before, and I've thrown it in there today to ask yourself. Uh, I'm not answering it. I'm letting you answer this one, Lee. What yeah. is the... The number one fish that you cherish the most out of all the captures you've caught, because you've caught a lot of fish around this country, you've been doing it for a long, long time. What is your number one that you always comes back to your head, or well, even if you need two there? But what is your couple of fish that always comes back to you that brings back the best memories? Um,
0: probably memorable, memorable wise, I would say my first hundred kilo bluefin, which I caught out of Port Fairy, yeah, and probably the first swordfish I caught out of Malacuta which was the second day which was the the second swordfish caught in Victoria that was 128 kilos and it was just a I can't believe this has actually happened moment because you just didn't think it was ever going to happen
1: yeah 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 because I guess once again the swordfish is that uh, the it is the ultimate isn't it you yeah. call it the ultimate fish
0: yeah exactly it is it's just the ultimate fish and when you see a, a big swordie they're just they're just something that you just can't sort of grass they're just that big and that impressive um but then saying that Aaron at the other end of the scale my first 10 pound trout out of the snowy mountains you know I grew up doing that and it took me a long time to catch a 10 pounder out of the snowy mountains so that you know there's there's so many memorable fish for so many different reasons but definitely my first big bluefin because that took me seven years to catch so it didn't come
1: easily um you know and and so yeah bluefin and sword would be the ones what about king george whiting down at the local Queenscliff with me Oh no, that's the most memorable day. The most memorable <laughs> bag that's, of fish. You don't have um, to, you don't have to be
0: nice. No, but look, there's if you when people say what's your favourite fish, I, I can't break it down, Aaron, because it's it's the fish, it's the people that you maybe fish for that species with, it's the place you go, it's what happened to catch that fish. Like I've got a
1: hundred memorable big fish that I've caught. As yep. you would. No, I'm hearing exactly what you're saying. Do not go anywhere. I'm going to see if Lee might join us for a little bit more, but Chris Basilewski joins us after the show. We've got Red's Review, The Flying Gaff, and, of course, Red's Tip. We'll see you shortly. Gearing up for Dometic. Dometic Patrol, an icebox with a sense of adventure. Everything you need for adventures, big or small. Mobile living made easy. Dometic. Welcome back to the show. It is now time for Gearing Up. For Dometic. Enjoy the great outdoors with all the comforts of home with Dometic and on the line, our regular guest, Chris Vasileski from Gone Fishing Charters. Chris, oh, there's a reason I've got you on the show today, mate, and that's because... Well, I've just knocked something off the table there, Chris, so ignore that, but we are, we've right. got you on the show today because you did your annual... We get you on every year to talk about this. We did your annual mission run from Queenscliff to Portland... And I want to talk to you a little bit about fuel consumption and how to plan for a trip like that. Now, I know you did something to the boat during the winter to help you along with this, extending the fuel tank. Is that a big factor in this big trip that you've just done? Yeah, it just uh,
2: gives us the option to do more miles and obviously not have to carry fuel or stop in at other ports to uh, refuel. So the less stops and... um, things we've got to do you know you don't like you're not going to waste fuel so instead of me having to pull up at Apollo Bay to refuel um it just allows us to get a few more miles on the boat go straight yeah. through
1: now what were you carrying and what are you carrying now so at the
2: moment we're holding about 850 litres now so that's uh allows us to do Queenscliff to Portland in one hit well and truly and still have like probably
1: 200 litres in the tank now, you've got obviously a large fuel bill each time you fill up, and the missus wouldn't be too happy when she gets that, would she? No,
2: it's, it's not pretty. It's not pretty. I <laughs> have to admit that, but at least um, it saves a little bit of work having to refuel all the time.
1: Now, the trip down, I know you've had a few charters now in Portland, which we're about to get to. Now, the trip down, you're covering a lot of miles. Now, covering a lot of water. Yeah. Did you see anything cool on the way down there this time around?
2: Didn't see much between Queenscliff and Apollo Bay, but on the other side of Apollo Bay, um, just in shallow, probably fifty, sixty meters, I did come across some birds and gannets, dolphins, and some other stuff, sort of working. But um, I did stop and have a bit of a flick around, and there were just school fish there. It wasn't, <clears throat> sorry, it wasn't until we got to Apollo Bay that we started seeing some, you know, that delicious stuff that you see and you get really excited.
1: Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, you've been running your charters out of Portland for, a, say, a couple of weeks now. You've had some pretty successful charters. You did ring me during the week, and you were pretty excited. You stated that this looks like it could be one of the best Portland years ever yet. Like, you're seeing some pretty different size fish and a lot of school fish.
2: Yeah, it all seems to be in, in the mix. I think I'm excited, Aaron, because I'm not having to travel to the shelf every day like we did last season. Yeah. Um, all our fish – are all in close again so it's good to see we're not having to do heaps and heaps of miles to find fish for our customers um and it's just it's just amazing at this year it's you don't know whether you're literally going to get a 20 kilo fish or a, or a 50 or a 100 there seems to be a lot of those 50s and 60s 80 sort of kilo fish around in the mix so it's always good
1: You've, you've been running charters out of Portland for quite a period of time now. You've never seen numbers of 50 kilos of fish being caught, have you? No,
2: no, no. It's either those school fish or you're getting a, what we call the barrels, you know, 100 plus. But um, certainly those 50s and 60s are, are quite good for the average customer.
1: Well, they'd be much easier to handle than a 100 kilo fish, let's be honest, especially like you did last week. Take us through when you hooked a... Big, we'll go a big fish, potentially a barrel fish, 100 kilo fish, on a 10,000 Saragosa. How bad are you? Yeah.
2: yeah, I felt sorry for the angler. Um, he was on that fish for about an hour and a half, and we almost had it to the boat. But as you know, when you're fighting a, uh, a larger fish with a, a small outfit, it's a bit hard to put a bit of herd on it, Yeah. and we just couldn't get it close enough to the boat to sort of get it in gaff range and uh, yeah. unfortunately ended up spitting the hook out after about an hour and a half but yeah, it was good the uh, customer was pumped to um have that experience not a lot of average fishers get to experience you know fighting a big
1: fish on light gear so it was, yeah it was good it was exciting so i don't have a boat i want to catch a barrel of bluefin tuna also i want to catch a speeder school finch uh, school bluefin tuna how do we get in touch with the contact with you chris do we book online do we give you a call how do we go about it and do you cater for i guess barrel trips specifically
2: we do we do we cater for all um pretty easy we've updated our website so all our bookings go through online so you can just jump on our web page and open up book now and it will give you all the different trips and what spots we've got available and then if you did want to chase the big boys and barrels only then just yeah, give me a buzz and we can lock that in
1: so let's be honest if you're trying to chase a barrel like it's not cheap to do this you're running two big engines you've got a beautiful big comfortable boat probably one of the best in the fleet down there uh it's not cheap to run so you can't just have a guy ring you and say i want to come out and one bloke come out they need to book the boat either with a group of say mates and chipping together because it's it's an expensive hobby. You've got 50 wides. You've had to get re-spooled up. If you get fish on them, you've got to do it again. You've got lures that you lose consistently. So what do you recommend? Getting a group together and coming down as a group of five rather than, I guess, hoping for a spot on a boat?
2: Yeah, it tends to work. Like We sort of see groups of four. You know, we'll get a group of four and they'll want to do barrels as mates and they'll just split the cost for the boat. And, um, and you know, they obviously know what's involved. So, um yeah, so group of
1: four, group of five, doesn't matter. There you have it, Chris Vasileski. He's based his boat down in Portland. There is one still in Queenscliff, and we haven't got a lot of time to talk about that today because that's not important right now. It's all about the tuna out of Portland. So make sure you give him a call. Chris Vasileski, go on fishing charters. If you want to get yourself a big tuna, whether it's school fish as well or book online at Gone Fishing, you'll find it on Google there, and make sure you get out with Chris O and get yourself some beautiful southern bluefin tuna and have a great time on the water. Thanks, Chris O. Thanks, Aaron. Have a good day. That was gearing up for Dometic. Mobile living made easy. Red's Review for Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. It's now time for Red's Review where we do our product review, and it's going to be a bit differently as such, not necessarily a specific product, but we're going to be talking lures today so tuna lures uh you've caught some beautiful big bluefin tuna you've caught some beautiful small tuna yellowfin tuna let's let me let i'm going to let you take me through your spread first of all for barrel bluefin the colors of the heads and why you would use though that specific color and lure at the time uh, okay
0: so we're going to go jumbo bluefin aaron
1: jumbo bluefin first
0: okay so because first of all people probably need to realize that that a jumbo bluefin spread is often different to a, a school fish spread. Um, for me, there's a couple that I always run: Marla Magic Baby Hardhead. It's a it's a cup face pusher, but it's long and skinny in the head. It's got a very tight little wriggle to it. swims really straight, easy for the fish to eat. And that in a colour called Otto, which is like a a black and violet overskirt with a violet inner skirt and it glows this pinky-purple colour. I think they eat it for a red-baity sort of thing, but they love it. That on the short corner. A JB Little Dingo in Evil on the rigger would be one of my favourites. And then probably my other one would be a Bullet of some sort, The and I often use the Marlin Magic Baby Blue in a colour called Mia, and it's a purple and silver outer with a pink in it. Um, you'll notice I have mentioned two lures with pink in them, but, and they just seem to work for me, mate. I don't know about you, but... Yep. pink. I've caught more jumbos
1: on than green. That's for sure. What about you? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I only. I'm a little bit different with my barrel blue fins. As oh, similar, but um, I have generally five lures that I have, and I have yep. not. I have not changed them for. Geez, it'd be a few years now. Um, yep. No, oh, they are the tornado. Actually, there's four tornado lures and one yep. JB. So I run a JB Dingo in the evil uh, as. Yep. For some reason, I run it in my shotgun. Yep. Uh, I've just always run it in my shotgun. And That's then interesting I'll... you say that, Aaron, because I've always run them on the rigger, but
0: then I've got other mates who go, no, nah, man, I run that on the short corner, and they catch heaps on the short corner. So,
1: so I, I think bluefin, honestly, the way they eat, like some days I'll get three-way hookups on 100-kilo fish, yes. and you short, long, blah, blah, every colour will go. Then other days you'll just have that one lure that specifically goes. Now, I reckon the one lure that does it for me that specifically goes is my Lumo green in my long corner? And that's the only lure that I reckon I'm so specific to going to long corner. The rest, really? them, I don't care. Like, I caught one, uh, I caught three fish the other day, uh, yeah. a week ago. And uh, we had, it was our, the first one went was our, my, uh, the evil in the JB. Yep. And then I got cut off by something. And then I put, I don't even know what the color is. You might be able to vouch for it, but it's, Pretty much. It's sort of like a red bait. It's like a black on top, but a purple color. It's not quite a red bait, but it looks like, like a red bait lure. Yep. And I, I moved that from the long rigger into the shotgun position and swapped it. Because I, the other lure I had was another pink lure that you spoke about before. Yep. And I wanted to run that in shorter in the wash for visibility. Yep. And that one went straight after that. But then the next one went was the, the long, the Lumo green in the long corner. So there were three different yeah. colors and three different bites in the space of a few hours. So yeah. But similar positions in that long – away from the boat in, because it was quite rough. And I reckon the rougher it is, the importance, Lee, is actually to run your lures back further. I don't know what you're Yeah, thinking, 100%. You know? yeah, get them in that little bit cleaner water. So yes, um, yes.
0: The, the other one of you found, Aaron, I know I have, that various seasons will have various colours. I know some years Evil's been just a standout. Other years Big Dog, which is a bluey purple, has been a standout. The next year it's it's all pink. Have you seen that very often?
1: do you yes 100 percent. you're spot on and as a tackle store owner like yourself and uh, who's i guess been around the tackle industry for a period of time do you believe that comes down to the fact of say for instance i got a fish on a green today do i put it on social media what lure it was do you believe that it's just more of a craze that people tend to run that lure more than another lure do you think oh
0: there's no doubt there is no doubt that that happens obviously numbers of a color in the water we'll we'll get bites but like i know i had one season years back where we got to this i put this auto color out we caught seven jumbos in three days on it right and every single fish was on that lure we yeah get a bite on another lure and then for the next four weeks guys would go going jumbo fishing and we'd be like get this color run that on the short corner and it seemed to be this pattern that that looked that Colored lure on the short corner was getting the bites, but then, as you said, the next day it could be any color, it could be every lure.
1: Well, the issue with this segment, Lee, is we've nearly run out of time. We can talk lures literally all day because I had another nine things to throw in there. I had a bait one three years ago at Paul, and that everyone was just getting fished on only red bait, and that's yep. specifically because the bait was red bait. So yes. if you match you match what's in the water, I guess, it's going to put your chances up, but. I don't know, do you rec- just do you reckon people overcomplicate it sometimes with barrel lures? I certainly do, do you think? Yep. Or do you think it, you reckon it's more yep. have you have your lures in the water and sort of go for it? What do you think there? Oh, I think there's all those factors, mate, which which people don't dial in on. And, look,
0: a lot of guys catch a lot of jumbos these days, but I think, you know, it's about being in the right spot at the right time when you find a good-looking area, even if it's not on fire. Now be there for the tide change. It's about working that work up properly, getting your lures in the right spot, you know, not just randomly roaming around. There's, there's all these factors that if you put them all in place, then – Aaron, you know it better than anyone. So often you'll get to a point where the workup gets to that that critical point where you're like, it's on. You drive past that workup and you're like, get ready, get ready, get ready. Boom, you're on. And it's not a big su- – it's a surprise. It's always a surprise. But it's not a big surprise. expect that, That's exactly right because you go, I am in the right spot at the right time. My lures are working properly, all that sort of stuff. And I think a big factor is too, Aaron – when guys aren't getting their bites it's because their lures aren't swimming right they just throw them out and they don't actually take the minute or two to make sure that lure is swimming properly like if the lure is lazy and not swimming that well shorten it up don't speed the boat up because you'll probably make the other lures start skipping out pull that lure up a meter or two or put it on the short corner if it's skipping out drop it further back get them swimming right and
1: you will get the bites it's that simple We're going to talk about head positions in Red's tip for about two minutes because we want to talk more about this, but I'm changing Red's tip. Don't go anywhere. After the break, Red's tip's coming. Lee's going to talk about positions of lures with their heads and explain exactly what he just mentioned. You're listening to Real Adventures. That was Red's review for
0: Club Marine. Insure your boat or jet ski with Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. Check the PDS to see if this insurance is right for you.
1: You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. It's now time for Red's tip, and we we're just talking about positions of lures. So I've changed Red's tip today because this is a great chat with Lee Rayner. You don't get this often coming from Lee Rayner. Now, Lee heads of lures. It's important yep. where you actually run the lure so it's working properly. Take us through the style of heads and where you would, you would run them. You've only got a couple of minutes, Leroy. Take okay. away.
0: Okay, so bullet-style lures, so good on tuna. They work because they spend time under the water. They swim straight. They're easy for the tuna to eat. I like to run them myself on the shotgun or the rigger. They have no action at all, but the fish eat them because they're an easy feed. Yep. Um, your bigger, fatter heads, I like to run them more on the short lures generally because they're, they're creating more commotion in all that prop wash and turbulence and all that, so they stand out just by the vibration and the action they have, whereas... Things like your JB Dingoes, whether it's on the shotty or the rigger or whatever, or further back, they've got a nice tight little rigger. When you put them out in clean water, they look like a little bait fish wriggling through clean water. So, but there's no set, there's no hard and fast rules either. But that's a pretty good basis to sort of work on, I reckon. Your big, your bigger, deeper cup faces and fatter heads, short, skinnier, slimmer heads and smaller cups, a little bit further back. Your your trolling speed. My trawling speed is about 12 k's an hour. So that's about seven and a half knots. But that's what works in my boat. I've been in other boats where to get everything working nicely, we go faster. So um, I like to go as, not as slow as I can, Aaron, but I like to find that compromise where I haven't got too much prop wash. And, and over the years since I've done that, I've got a lot more bites on the shorter lures. By having that speed a little bit slower, I can run the lures a touch shorter, they're in cleaner
1: water faster, and it, and it works for me. I've legit changed changed what I had in front of me here written on my computer to literally cater for what we've just spoken about. Just then from a split second in the ad, and we did not discuss anything there, and I couldn't – about what you've just said there, and I couldn't agree any more what you said. I've always had everyone trawling faster around me than what I'm going, and I seem to be yeah. like fish.
0: Yeah. I, 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 some days I'm like, why am I going so slow? Because oh, everyone's roaring around.
1: I legit was out – off Port Mac the other week and we managed to get three, and I had a couple of guys hooked up around me, and I'm like, "Geez, why don't I getting a bite? And I'm like, it seems like everyone's going faster than me. So I've chucked my, my Navionics on my phone to check my speed to make sure my, yeah. my, boat, my boat was accurate. I'm like, what's going on? Is something going on here? In the end, it was just a matter of right place, right time, and we, we ended up getting three bites too. But, yep. like, it, it yeah, I, I 100%, there's so many people going around you 100 miles an hour. I had a bar crusher that was going off Port Ferry a week and a half back, going around me, I mean, he was on the plane. I had no idea what he was doing. I was watching yeah. his lures skid across the surface. Like, I was thinking, well, you're not going to catch a fish, mate. Slow up. Like, just yeah. – yeah. anyway, yeah. both Lee and I agree with that. Just quickly, we're going to head straight to the flying gaff, and I'm going to Auckland this week where uh, five men uh facing serious prosecution, Leroy. Listen to this. 317 mm-hmm. snapper were illegally caught. 317. I don't think I've caught that many in my life. <laughs> I don't even know. I deserve <laughs> a medal for even being able to do that. But what idiots. Five people, 317 snapper. That's... I'm looking at the photo in front of me. Fisheries have them laid down in front. So they are getting the gaff this week. You are not getting the gaff this week, Lee. You've chopped me out massively. Thank you very much for joining the show, covering Pat for this week. Pat will be back next week. Lee, Thank you again for helping me out with Real Adventures. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand-new racing app for Same Race
0: multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Campbell responsibly. call 1-800-858-858.
1: Please. Any anytime, mate. Thanks for having me. we been listening to Real Adventures. Make sure you get out on the water this weekend. The weather's looking absolutely beautiful where I am. I hope it is for you. We'll see you out there.